you love us, God, no matter what we have ever done. Lord, you still love us the same. So God, you're laying on my heart that we in turn need to show that love back to you. As much as you love us, we've got to show you that we love you just as much. And one way that we can do that, Lord, is by loving others. So God, I just pray that every person that you put in our life, God, that we would just love them to the best of our ability. Lord, whether it's the person that's standing on the side of the street needing some help, whether it's the cashier at the grocery store, Lord, whether it's someone at our workplace that you're calling us to love, God. And as obvious as it may seem, Lord, we also need to be loving those who are sitting in the rows next to us right now. God, I just pray that you would just open our hearts, Lord, to be able to love the people that might seem difficult to love at times, but God, that's what you have called us to do. And that's just one way that we can show you our love. And God, another way that we can show you our love is just by taking the words that you are about to give us and applying them to our lives, being willing to open our hearts, God, to whatever it is that you want to speak to us, Lord. Because as Christians, each day we need to be striving to, to be a better Christian, Lord. So whatever it is that Coach Floyd is going to say to us in just a minute, there is some way that we can apply that in our lives and become a better Christian for you, Lord, and in turn just showing you our love over and over again, Lord. Again, I just thank you for this time of worship that we've been able to have just to be able to find comfort in your love. Pray all these things in your name.
Thank you. Now we get to have the fun and watch see if I can get this on, right? And not squeal too much. But uh, thank you for your getting along with me. Um, so what, what we have here this morning is I would like to talk to you about your future a little. Can I do that? I dream to ask you the question, what if um, Hargrove in his book, Master Coaching, he puts it in this word, what he wants to do in coaching is to inspire the impossible future while producing extraordinary leaders with extraordinary results. Now that, that's a big plan there. What would happen when, if we ask those questions to went over here and an extraordinary people they experience extraordinary results? That would, make, that would make me feel something really did happen in our just brief day with you. So the first question I would like to ask you, what if Wendover Hills develops a peace-making culture? What would happen in the future of this church if we really learned how to understand each other and really get along? The Christian church has a big problem here, and how do we get to that point? How do we begin to really get together and have a unity? I know you all talk about it. The need is great because I believe everybody around us is looking for a safe place to go, a safe place that they can work out their faith, and they don't want to have all the mess that goes into some of the churches. Is that not true? They don't. Yeah, good. Someone answered back to me. I'm used to for conversation. This is a conversation taking place this morning. I believe that the best thing that could ever happen to any church is to fulfill God's will. Now, I'll come down since I'm preaching and you can bring me back up, all right? I'm still trying to talk without the mic there. Um, every church, and I believe every member, needs a shelter from the storms of life. There's too much going on out there to have it going on in here. One of the problems, you have to understand this, when people come here for a healing, they need to come here mutilated. One of the things we have to understand, we have to work through, is to consider when in-house fighting takes place, the casualties of crossfire, who is it that gets hurt the most? And so often it's the new believer. So often it's our young people and our children. I can take you in the Western churches across the nation and I'll find whole generations missing because that was the time church had a church house. I can take you to church, not in Western, but in we're on the same page. It hurts too much to have first place church houses. So what would happen? If we developed a peacemaking culture that would actually change that whole environment and make us what we should be. Okay, the first thing I would like to give to you or to present to you is I believe peace is God's ideal future every Christian in every congregation. That is, if you could call God having a big and audacious goals or dreams, it would be this. God wants actual peace here on earth. He wants peace in your life. He wants peace in your family. He wants peace in all your relationships. He wants peace as you go to work. Some of the things we're going to talk about will not only be in this culture within the church, but becomes a part of your life that you take into the workplace and you take it into your home. I believe that's God's dream for all of us. Let's look at it. In 2 Corinthians 15, chapter, in verse 19 through 20, you find this. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation so that we are ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. 
come back to God. Now the word reconciliation there is the word for calling us to peace. God, through Christ, began to bring peace to the world. There was a division. There was a tremendous chasm appeared. And Christ came into the world. And the whole idea was to somehow bring the restlessness that came into all of creation to bring it into a mold where, where there was perfect peace. We know the idea that God is going to have that come to pass. Do we not? We have the promises in Revelation that someday there will be peace on earth where even the line will lay down with, with just the, um, the lamb and whatever. Peace is going to be everywhere. But what do we do in this meantime? Peace. God's idea of future for the world. You know the story. The story of God living together in perfect unity. The angels gathered around and then Lucifer falls and then there's a contamination of the earth and you know the story of the human race. But what was God willing to do? That's the question you should ask. What was God willing to do that, with all the chaos that happened in this world, what was God willing to do to bring peace? It's a question you should ask, but it's a question we should ask about God. And this is what God is willing to do. For God in all His fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through Him... God reconciling to himself, he made peace with everything in earth and on in heaven by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. I tell you, that is a pretty drastic story. God wants peace so much that he's willing to bring his own son into the world to die on the cross. Forget about all your sin, not forget, but to cover all your sins. God's intentions are this, that you have peace no matter what. The story continues. I, um, something happened there on cross. Something that went beyond that just that you and I can even fathom. There's, there's something that's rolling throughout time toward eternity. And I say it's the peace of God. Eschatologically, if I can use that term, there is in process something taking place in this world called God's peace being created in its rolling until sometime out there in eternity Peace will be everywhere. And I want to ask the church, do you want to be a part of that process where peace is everywhere? To me, it's very important. I, I find it in the Matthew account. You find when Jesus first comes into the world, you see him as he comes. Um, there he comes and he's starting his ministry. He goes down to the Jordan River. He's baptized. The Holy Spirit ascends unto him. And then he walks into a world that's full of chaos and suffering. I, I, if I had time, I'd like to just hold it to the picture, but a quick version of the Sermon on the Mount is that Jesus is walking along and he's seeing the suffering of mankind. He's healing them and he gathers his people on top of the mountain and he introduces the new system, the new kingdom. He's about ready to give the Torah, but before he gives it, he gives several blessings on the people which is eschatologically or it is given in process that begins to work immediately until he says you are light and you are salt. Now the picture I would like to give here is that God is already at work but you and I have to get part of the process. Look what, look what he says. Bless those who work in peace for they will be called the children of God. Part of that process, already at work in the hearts of men and women, is God bringing peace to the world. And I, I believe, and I, there's many scholars that join me in that, that you should be saying, Jesus is saying to them, you are blessed, 
your soul. Now you can live the law. You can't do that without the eschatological grace and blessings being poured out in your life. But one of those conditions, one of those things that the Holy Spirit brings to you is peace. You want God's peace today? That's the question that should come to you. Now in coaching terms and taking assessment, we take a 360 degree feedback and look at ourselves. I am not seeing that in all of our churches. I'm seeing that in all of our lives. So there must be something that needs to be assessed. I have one of my, I'll never probably read Ephesians, the fourth chapter again, the same way as I begin to look at this, I thought, Wow, because right there is the description of the church and ministry together. But the beginning of that, you find that these instructions... And let me just give you a clue here. Anytime the Bible gives you instructions, it's because people need to be alerted that this is just not the natural thing for you to do. Are you with me? Sometimes we get this feeling that, that if the Holy Spirit comes, everything's going to be perfect and we're not going to have any more problems, Right? Look at the instruction that is given in Ephesians. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit. Binding yourselves together in peace. That, that ought to be a model. That should be one of the core values of Wendover Hill, shouldn't it? We should make every effort to find out how we can get along and that there would be a culture of peace be in this church and in every way. And then we find probably one that what I think is part of your webpage, there is one body, one spirit, just as you all have one glorious hope and future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. Tell you what, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with your webpage, all right? If, I, I would almost promise you that if you live up, and I believe you can, and I believe you do, we, one of the things I hope, I don't want to drop the ball, but in coaching you find out there's always failure along the way. Isn't that true? We press for something, but we have times that we don't always live up to what we want to do. Everybody here lives up to everything they want to do in life, and they're perfect at raising their hand. Thank you. Would you come up and preach this? This, is my, this? this would be a much better sermon, I promise you, because that doesn't put it where I'm at. But I, as I look at this, I know that that isn't true, and I know that we have these problems, and, but if we can be one God, one church, one purpose, one more... And I got these words. We're going to love you, whether you love... It doesn't matter whether you love us or not. That's a paraphrase I, I remember reading on your site. We're going to love you no matter you, whether you, there's love coming back the other way. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we had so much love of God that we could actually love people even when they're not lovable? Now, let, let's go on into, on down into Ephesians. And I, we want to preach on this Ephesians chapter from time, but we're just introducing these ideas. Then no immature ch like children. Wow. That, I mean, I ought to have just give an altar call there and forget about preaching the rest of the sermon, right? I thought about, I really did think about this this morning, that maybe I ought to put M on this sermon for mature audience or mature Christians only, but I was afraid that you'd all leave and then I wouldn't have anybody to preach to. Bad joke. Let me relish in a moment, will you? 
We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We'll, we'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. You know, I, I'm not trying to get into the nitty-gritty, but you know, some things just sound too good to be true, doesn't it? When we begin to talk about things within the church and before long it gets a slant and maybe our emotions get involved with it. Well, okay, you, you, you apply that scripture, all right? But here's what should happen. Instead, we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body and the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each party does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so the whole party is healthy and growing and full of love. I don't know even how to explain this, this passage. I mean, I, you translate, you can't get a hold of it. It has so many participles, but the picture is that there is kind of a churning taking place, and you and I are matching up, and our gifts are not the same. They're all different in many ways, and in that process, because we're interacting with each other, we have a growing process that begins to happen. Now, I would hold up to you that one of the ways that growing process happens is that we learn to be truthful and speak to one truthfully and to do that in love. Now, some of us, we, we have a tendency either not to, speak, to talk about the things that bother us, but if we are to talk about them, we don't do it in love. Isn't, do, you, do you see the difference there? But to get out in the open the areas that cause dissension and not have peace. But all I together, and that's the goal, that's the idea. So let's take some action steps toward the future. Okay, that's coaching for you. A, mas a master coach helps you make some, some action steps in the, toward that ideal future. And one of the things I would like for us to understand, first of all, is what we call the human element. Okay? Now, I have a lot of people who like to be part of it, and I like to be part of the church that is in perfect peace. How many, how many this morning would say, yes, Pastor, that would really be neat. Would you, would you go there? Amen. Most of us would be there, that we're there. I'm there. That's where I would like to be. But there's a problem. And that's the reason why we talk about this. Love has to go beyond something that you just felt. It has to have a principle of action. You find it in 2 John 1, 6-7. Love means doing what God has commanded us, and that is to love one another. And He has commanded us to love one another just as you have heard from the beginning. I say this because many deceivers go out in the world and they deny that Christ has come in a real body. Such a person is a deceiver in a, and a Christ. There's an interesting thing that begins to happen in church history very early on. Docetism is a belief that if God was really here on earth, he could not have been in the flesh because he's been too holy. Well, I'm not going to talk about docetism this morning, but I'm going to talk about spiritualization that happens in some of our lives. We believe that if we're sanctified or we have a spirit or we're walking in a spirit, we're not going to be human any longer. We spiritualize our problems instead of confronting them and dealing with them. Are you with me on that? Instead of finding ways to understand and make room and to have the proper channels to work through, we have the spiritualization and we never deal with the things that we need to deal with. There's a disconnect between living in heaven and living on earth. Medieval Thomas Aquinas once said, Grace does not abolish nature. And I think 
some of the things what we get caught up with, even though we believe in the power of God that sanctifies our nature, we are always going to be human and we're always going to have a lot of faults to deal with. I'm going to get to what some of those are. I need to move, don't I? The second thing is we must understand emotional systems. Okay, now I'm not going to be a therapist this morning, but one of my, one of my joys, just recently I started coaching a group of, the church had a lot of young adults and married couples was going through problems and they said, you know, this is just too much for the pastor to handle. We don't know what we're going to do. And so I proposed having a marriage house group get together and we would sit down and we would meet every other week for, for two hours and we would have a, a support group, so to speak, that we would, I would take coaching, family systems theory, what the problems are, and we would coach them to begin to act, do action steps for them to come to house. I want to say, even though we're right now, that group did wonderfully. There was something about when they began to confront that there was all these things happening within them that they did not really understand how the other person was reacting and thinking. So I want to go there. James tells us, why do you fight and quarrel? Because you have, your feelings are fighting inside of you, and that is why you fight. You want something, but you can't get it, and when you then you kill. Then you want something very much and cannot get it, so you quarrel and you fight. And you don't get it because you do not ask God for it. Now what I see within this whole scripture, and we're going to get to the carnal part of it, but what I see within is many, many emotional triangles is beginning to happen in the average person. Sitting here this morning, a lot of you are connected with people in a lot of different ways, and you don't always see this church the same way someone else sees it. Do you get me? There's a lot of differences because we would, if you allow me to use the term most triangles, and there's feelings that come in here, and when certain things are said, certain feelings come up, and certain other people say something, and other feelings come up. That is the human part of every one of us. We need to understand those triangulations that take place. I, I really believe this morning that the closer we get to understanding these feelings and not react when we become anxious. I, I put in just uh, coming from maybe that uh, Freeman's book on generation direction, peacemaker is a non-anxious presence. It's when you can come to church and you can look at the other person with their problems and love them with getting, uh, without getting upset because you are different than they are. Well, that's good preaching. Do I get an amen on that? I, uh, hey guys, if you're back in the booth back there, I usually get my church to get an amen that I can get you, I signal and you put up on the screen for me. And don't put up there, be quiet and stop either. I don't want, you only have license to do certain things, all right? But what is this word peace or this feelings or the word really says pleasure, it really gives a root for hedonism. The idea is, see, every one of you have feelings inside of you that God put there and those feelings rise up to protect you when something goes wrong. Do you understand that? Every one of us has that defense, do you? I mean, I go into certain places and I have an uncomfortable feeling and if something just rouses up and I can't help it, I'm and I have emotional systems that affect in my life, and, but I need to understand not where I am, but I need to also understand where you are. And that's what makes the difference 
in a peacemaking culture. The third thing I would like to talk to you about is understanding language barriers that are in the church. This is one of my favorite things when I do coaching with, with our marriage couples there, when I start talking about the things in their lives. Um, it's so interesting. But let, let me get the scripture on here. It's a golden rule, but what I want to do is how we apply that. Do unto others whatever you like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the laws and the scriptures. Now, wh- where I want to go for just a few minutes is some beliefs that I believe. I believe that God wants you to be a unique person. Aren't you glad? Aren't you really glad that you're not like me? Okay? Uh, God didn't call you to walk in life in my shoes. I'm certainly glad I'm not walking. Okay, I won't, I won't play that back to you. But, but the thing is, I, I, when, I'm, when I begin to talk with this in coaching, what I do not want you to do is become somebody that you are not just so that you can have peace in the church. Are you with me that? I want you to be everything that God's made you to be. At the same time, I want you to respect that other person and love them and let them be everything God is calling them to be. The more a church can get along and understand those perimeters, the more non-anxious that church will be and allow other people to work and work together for the glory of God. Well, that's just, that's just a little coaching tip. Let me give a definition on it. I call it self-differentiation. Define yourself and still stay in touch with others. Having an eye in a relationship with another eye without losing your own self or diminishing the self of the other. That is the real key to peacemaking. And I want to get into that a little bit because I believe that God helps you to begin to understand other people, even in this church, people maybe you disagree with or see things a little bit different, that you begin to ask God to pray and to pray and ask God to open your eyes that you can be able to get with them. Most churches have studied that. And what you learn with those five love languages is you're going to discover the primary language of commitment and love to your partner. Because everybody doesn't react the same way. Now, are you getting with me on this? When we're in a church, when I'm preaching, invariably, when I make certain points, certain people act a certain way, other people like other points. Some people think no points. But whatever it is, whatever it is, we need to understand that within each other. Let me get into this. Um, as a chaplain working with the elderly, um, I had to learn that not everybody thought the same way I did. You know, be good, do, do unto others as you would have them to do to you. But part of that is learning to get in their shoes and understanding how they're thinking so that you can do that to them. Now, if I see an elderly person wanting to do some things and they're taking a long time and they're trying to either get out of bed or feed themselves, as a, as a man, I, I'm still young enough. Believe it or not, I'd like to see the move. Are, are you into that? You, how many like to wait on people? You don't have to put your hand. This is not full self-disclosure. Only the pastor or the coach does see self-disclosure this morning. But I like to see things move. But you have it's my job to do, go along and help them because there's some things that if I help them, I'm really doing to them. I'm disrespecting them. And I'm not letting them be the self that they want to be. They want to be self-reliant. And I need to understand that. But your first impression is, I'm going to just hop, hop in there and help them. Do you see the two languages being spoken? I give you that as an illustration for me. Um, this is a really life to me. I had a preacher friend. He's an African-American minister. He's a 
He's a black minister in a white denomination. Before African American Conference of the Free Methodist Church on a national level, he'll be for the delegate. But he called me last, not, uh, last Saturday, a week from Saturday, and he began to tell me how it seemed like the, the district superintendent had just passed over him. You know, he's been working this mission work, and he's kind of the poster child right now for the, you kind of say it that way, for the Free Methodist, you know, one of those two people that's African American, you know, tell me all this stuff, you know. And, and I, I'm saying, well, you know, let's get along with it. Okay, I'm here, I'm listening to you. And after he hung up the phone, and I told him, I said, you know, they probably didn't mean anything. They want you to do that mission work, and that's what they really want you to do. And they've not even thought about you going to this larger white church that had called you and talked to you. They probably didn't even thought about it. They got off the phone. You know, I solved it, right? Isn't that what we do? We work together, we solve it. How many, I want to ask you that question. How many solvers do we have out here this morning? But men typically like to solve it. It's done, right? No sooner did I hang up that phone when I heard the Holy Spirit begin to talk to me. And he said, Lloyd, you listened, but you didn't hear. Lloyd, you listened, but you didn't really hear. I called him back. I didn't get back to him. Finally, next, the next Monday, he finally got back to me. He said, whoa, he called me Dr. Professor Floyd. That's his... That's his, or McVeigh. That's, his, that's how he always addresses me. And he says, what is it? What, what can I do for you, brother? And I said, I heard you. I mean, I listened to you. You were speaking to me. But I don't think I really took the time to hear you. Let's walk back through that again. You see, there were all these emotional triangles happening in this African-American's heart that wasn't happening in my heart. Understand, I was a white man, a white pe preacher, and I'm not in a white denomination being overlooked. And I'm not hearing the same vibrations that's happening in here. And he's definitely Christ. And as he goes on, he's seen several of his brothers not being moved up to. And so there is something that's turning him. You see that emotional triangle that he felt that I didn't feel? Do you see the triangulation that took place in his life that wasn't in mine? And I had to listen before I got the difference between what we were really talking about. Listen, every day in every church, in every job, in every marriage, there's a lot of things happening that we're not hearing each other. We're not seeing each other. We're not feeling each other. And we need to open our spiritual eyes until we have the Holy Spirit come back to us and begin to talk to us. Wait a minute. You're not really feeling that person. You're not really getting into the moment with them. And I believe that's one of the stuff. Well, let's, let me talk about some. Let's talk about real quickly. Am I, I'm out of time, aren't I? The the First of all, there's theological languages in churches, isn't there? I've already picked it up here. We have everything from open theism to reform thinking, all right? Right, sitting right here in this church here. And the wonderful thing, it's all part of God's great kingdom, isn't it? Oh, I hope, maybe we better go back to the point again. <laughs> You understand theologically how, how sometimes we're hearing things and we're setting things up and we're doing it. Okay, let me do another one. Cultural languages. I kind of brought that up. But um, do you understand? You know, the first time I came uh, after passing the north most of the time, I didn't come south. Now, see, I know enough now. I've been in south long enough. I know that Kentucky's not south, okay? <laughs> see, I got that one, all right? <laughs> 
I, I thought I was going south, but the first time I was meeting with one of my main members, and I was talking to him, and he says to me something about he's run a back home. And I said, oh, you run a back hole. He said, no, I said, I have a bad cold. Okay, maybe that goes over your head. That's too difficult to understand. But all of us have different things that we bring to the table. And even those of you living in the South, there's many cultures and subcultures that make us all different. Can you say it with me this morning that we all have a lot of differences? I want you to get that. There's a family of origin languages I talk about. If you were raised with strict parents who run your household like a police state, you see things different than that person who allowed everything in the world to happen. Your family of origin speaks is an emotional thing that raises into you. If you had a family that didn't take care of you, you see things different than a family that really loved you. We're all together here, and we are, we're sharing Jesus Christ at the same time, but we're not coming from the same path. There's all types of things that begin to move in us. There's different coordinates of emotional axis. See, see, all these triangulations take place. You know, even when I'm sitting right here where I'm with you, and maybe I have a relationship with a couple of you here, and maybe I have talked as much with another group over here, there's a different triangulation with the group I've talked to and the group I haven't talked to. There, who you talk to and who you visit with on Sunday morning, you become a part of a different subgroup than the other group is. Oh, they don't happen in this church. They happen in every church. Boy, I, I am welcome back next Sunday, aren't I? I want us to be honest. That's all I want you to do. For a few minutes, I want us to see that you and I are going to have to have culture peace. We can actually get along, and the Bible has given us guide maps and given us all types of things to show us that way. Let me give another one. The baby to the mature Christian. Now, don't, don't we love the babies in our church? I mean, you, you go in your home, and that baby, all they have to do is go, da, 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 and he said daddy first, <laughs> right? That's baby language, but you know, sometimes we want the baby to grow up and have an adult language. Church, one round, one coming to the church and forever be a little baby going, da, 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 and they need to grow up and speak the truth in love. They need to grow up and say, you don't have to go around hiding your emotions or just bawling and squalling to get your way. You can actually do the right thing and speak the right way and talk to the right people and speak the truth in love. Well, that was the point you didn't catch. Members and leaders. And I've poured myself into it and I'm just gun hole. Even a pastor, this is a pastor problem so often. They get so involved with their, what they want to see happen and then there's, there's somebody that's kind of on the outside and they come along and they say, Pastor, I don't, we, you know, I just, there's just one little thing I see here. You see this one little problem here? Well, no, he's not hearing two comments we're saying or outside we're saying, I have to offer you to tell you do you see how the language is by where you stand and what emotional triangles that you are? I just want you to see that these differences exist. That's all. Because listen, I've been in experience and I have seen, I've seen everything there has been in the church after three years of ministry. Are you with me on that? I do know. I do believe that. And I believe that how you handle the peace culture that makes a difference whether we minister together and we do the glorious things that God has called us. 
One of the things, and I, I can't give my whole message this morning, but let me tell you this thing. One of the things I see in this church, I see such talent. I see such possibilities. I see some of you doing things that nobody else is doing in the Western church. I think it's wonderful, but let me tell you, the devil wants to put a wedge in there and destroy everything. We're hunting each other. I want you to come on this morning because you've done this research. You've done this research. You've done this research. Well, we're not how someone else is going to feel, but bring it to a right culture to speak the truth in love. Last thing, and I, I'm not going to go over the slippery slope. I'm going to get back to that. This thing has to be understood as a habit of being. I cannot create something in this church, a little organization, to make it work, all right? Now, there's those, that, and I, I, I applaud every attempt that we do. We have to find it. There's only one thing that can drive this. You and I have to adopt it personally as our belief. That God wants me to get along with everybody possible to the very best extent I'm going to get along no matter what. And that is the church. I believe God is calling this church winter hills to peace this morning. You need it in your life. I need it in my life. I'm only, I'm only introducing this subject. But I, I don't want it just for the church. I believe it needs to be in your home. I don't know who I'm talking about. Every principle I give here can be applied to apply the home, apply the workplace, because it comes a culture of your life, how you adopt and the emotions that come at you from time to time. You are, whether you like it or not, some way you are run by the inside of you, what transpires there, it's driving you. How do you turn it over to God and let God begin to work? My invitation to you this morning is to understand what's happening. Jesus says you are peacemakers. I want you to realize that the grace of God is rolling through your life. Okay? Do you see it? God's grace is already at work in you. The only thing that you have to do is you need to begin to allow that grace to work and to recognize when you're outside that grace and begin to work in a culture that causes you to get along with one another. Listen, God's not going to let you down. I don't know. I don't believe that this warehouse was put here. You were brought to this place as a group of people together just to see you stumble and fall and get where God wants you to go. I don't know how God is going to work the miracle, but I believe those of us who would join our hands together in our hearts and say, what can we do to just love God and love one another and develop a culture of peace. And we'll let that peace begin to work. I believe it's already work. I, I, hear, I hear the thunder. The, I don't believe it's that distance. I think there's people that have this on their heart already. I believe that you can pray. And as you begin to work together, I believe that there can be this unbelievable reconciliation that comes in your life, in the church, in the workplace, and in your family. Children... Even brothers and sisters, I'm hungry to see this culture begin to become everything God wants it to become in your life, in my life. I don't, I can't do it myself, but I want you to be aware of these things. Next week, if, I, if the Lord's willing, this is what the Lord wants, and I feel it is. I'm going to give you the Peacekeeper's Toolkit, okay? I'm going to put a toolkit together for you. I'm not just going to leave you out here. I'm going to talk to you about that piece. And then maybe on down the road, I, I, someday I think we'd like a communion service where we just 
kind of join our hearts at the cross together. Wouldn't that be great as a church? We kind of join our hearts at the cross. I want to invite you to God's peace this morning. It's real. It can make a difference in your life if you'll just let God do it. Let us pray. God, we come this morning. Lord, you know how we wrestle with this. This is too much facts and too much teaching. But we pray this morning that somehow you'll use these words, Lord. Oh, you forced me to go this way. You know, I would rather preach pleasant sounding things. But God, may your peace abound. May you fill our hearts. We come to the cross this morning searching for answers in our own soul. We pray for the peace that passes all understanding to so fill every believer here today. In Jesus' name we come. Amen.